Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today is Sunday, June 16th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 319 featuring Keith Smith from Yahoo Sports, Real GM, and Celtics Blog is brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash Beat and use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Show's also brought to you by Quip. Go to getquip.com slash Celtics. Get your first refill pack for free when you buy your first electric toothbrush. Now settle in for a new edition and thanks for spending your Father's Day with us. Evan Valenti jumping in here real quick on Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media. And before we get to anything quick, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, including Adam, who is, of course, the father of three, and my own father, Steve Valenti. Uh, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Now that we got to that, let's get to this. Hi, I'm Evan Valenti. I, I sometimes host this show as a guest host. I produce this show. And in honor of that, uh, we need to be upfront and honest with you guys. Full disclosure, we cut the show, the show you're about to hear with Adam Kaufman and Keith Smith. We cut the show before the Anthony trade, uh, Anthony Davis trade hit, okay? Full disclosure, it was done before that. The Anthony Davis trade, that came in, you know, late, not late, 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 but late afternoon on the East Coast on Saturday, okay? This show was recorded before that. So you're not going to get any reaction to that. Again, Woj blew up the internet as he always does. And, uh, unfortunately, nobody's going to be able to react to that on this show. Very quickly, you'll hear more from Adam on this topic next week, I'm sure. Him and I, very similar here. Uh, could not make this trade for the Boston Celtics, flat out. You just can't trade Jason Tatum, who looks like a pillar you can build with long term, for a one-year rental. It's just not going to happen. You'll hear more on that with Adam next week. Although on this episode, Keith Smith and Adam get into Anthony Davis. They're going to talk a little bit about why the Celtics should not trade for Anthony Davis and a whole bunch more. So without further ado, Keith Smith, Adam Kaufman, happy Father's Day. Let's rock and roll. Welcome everybody into another edition of Celtics Beat. And as is typical this time of year, we've got a long one ahead and just a ton on the plate. Begins, of course, with the fact that Raptors are NBA champs for the first time. Congrats to everybody in the six, I suppose. But more important to me and probably you listening, that means the offseason's here. NBA draft is Thursday. Free agency officially begins two weeks from today at 6 p.m. And that is where we are going to start this show because it's the biggest news surrounding the Celtics right now. According to the Boston Herald, Steve Bulpett, who is as connected to Danny Ainge as anyone in the media, has plenty of sources around the league. You know that if you read his stuff. He's been doing it for decades. Kyrie Irving is, quote, preparing to sign with the Nets. He's told his inner circle. He has not yet told the Celtics. So there's lots to discuss there. Let's get right to it with Keith Smith, frequent guest on Celtics Beat, writes for Yahoo, Real GM, Celtics blog as well, breaks tons of news this time of year. So you should follow him on Twitter because you're going to be one of the thousands that start to over the course of the next uh, couple of months, couple of weeks even for that matter. Keith, how are you? I'm doing great, Adam. Thank you for having me. No, pleasure's mine. And like I said, we've just got so much here going on with the Seas. Now, I'm I'm not doubting Bullpet's reporting because even as he notes in his column, anything with Kyrie Irving is it's just not set in stone. I personally, I doubt anything with Kyrie at this point, meaning that with him, and we've seen it a lot the last two years, what's true today is not necessarily true tomorrow. Hell, this is the same guy who said this to ESPN last September. The future is very, very bright in Boston. And, um, you know, even if I ever tried to think about that thought of going elsewhere, it would be like, what are you thinking? We're 
we're pretty effing good here. <laughs> like, we're pretty effing good for not just this year, but for years to come. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm looking forward to that. What a schmuck. <laughs> you know, if, if Kyrie's listening, I will take that back if you resign. But right now, you're a fraud. Bullpet wrote all about how Irving's decision is expected after he fired his longtime agent to team with Jay-Z's Rock Nation Sports. That'll become official soon enough. There is that direct connection to the Nets. Jay-Z used to have an ownership stake in the franchise. And listening to Danny Ainge last week, Keith, his tone seemed to indicate he was prepping for this, maybe even accepted it or or expected it. Ultimately, is this how you anticipate things shaking out with Kyrie? Yeah, it's starting to feel a little more real that he's not going to be back in Boston. I think there is the potential that it, it looks like, you know, maybe Brooklyn, maybe New York. But, well, what I always go back to is we're, what, three, four weeks and they're hearing all these things. And it seems like every week it's a different team. It's the Knicks one week, then it's the Lakers the next, then it's the Nets now. And, and that's where it's tough. I, it's also I never, not want. to cut you off, it's also never been the Celtics. Yeah, that is true. But I think that tends to be how it goes with free agency. Rarely, it's not fun to say they're just going to resign, right? It's always a lot more fun to to talk about where a guy's going to go and those kind of things. So that, that enters into it a little bit as well. But I think what becomes really challenging with Kyrie is is just trying to figure this guy out. He he could tell me it's raining outside. I'm not going to believe it until I'm standing out there and feeling <laughs> the water on my face. You know, he's just, he's just so all over the place. It, it's just impossible to understand what this guy wants and, and that makes it really hard. So, so I'm with you where it feels like this is is like trying to, you know, figure out the whims of, you know, somebody who may not even know what they want themselves and doesn't, quite frankly, have to decide for at least another few weeks. Well, and that's right. I was going to say, is there any chance Irving changes course? But it seems to, you know, it appears that you seem to think that there is. If if he's even, in fact, definitively made up his mind as, as his mind exists today, as he might say. Yeah, and, that, and that's it. I think, you know, we all know there's still that big carrot out there. If the Celtics can land Anthony Davis, especially with what we just saw with the Raptors winning the title of the league, seeming to be pretty wide open, there is a chance Kyrie could look back at this and say, you know what, my best thing is to go back to Boston. Now, maybe that's not on a full, you know, long-term max contract. Maybe he does the one plus one Mm -hmm. kind of deal and says, well, I'll give it a year, and then if AD walks, I'll walk too. But I think a lot of guys – maybe had their minds changed in the last uh, week or so here as it looked more and more convincingly that Toronto was going to walk away with this, that, you know, hey, this league's pretty wide open. And then when Kevin Durant gets hurt and then Clay Thompson, now it really turns into, geez, wow, you know, this could be anybody's, you know, title next season. And I think that could change things for some guys. I understand Irving wanting to be closer to his native New Jersey, but if Kevin Durant doesn't follow him there or the Nets don't trade for Anthony Davis and he's just he's alone with what they currently have, what's motivating this decision, you think? Because he's not going to be in a better spot to win than he would be coming back to Boston. I don't admittedly, and I've said this a lot, I don't think priority number one is winning for Kyrie anyway. And also the New York media, as bad as he thinks he has it here, New York media, way worse than Boston. So why the Nets? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. It's got to be a big, strong draw to be home. That's the only thing that makes really any sense to me is if he feels that connected that that's where he wants to be, then then you know I never fault the guy. When if it's you want to be home, you want to be home. You know that that's just a it's a draw for some guys. So that's got to be what it is. Because other than that, you're looking at it and all right, the Nets are good. I'm I'm not gonna knock the Nets. They've built this thing up. But if you're just really replacing D'Angelo Russell with Kyrie Irving, because I don't believe the two can play together and have any kind of long-term you know high level of success are the Nets really all that much better you know Kyrie's a better player than D'Angelo Russell to be sure but he's not that much better that he's not going to lift them from being a six seven seed all the way into a uh, you know home court advantage title contender by himself and now it seems a little more clear than it did maybe you know, a week or so ago, that he might not have the other help joining him there that he thought he might have otherwise. You alluded to this, but do you think that Irving is impacted by the Durant and Davis situations? Meaning, let's say Durant doesn't, even injured, go to a New York team. He stays put, opts in for the $32 million with the Warriors, sits out all next year, and Ainge is able to swing that deal for Davis like many national pundits expect. Would he change his mind about Boston? 
Yeah, I think he could. I think there's a couple of things you have to look at with Kyrie when you talk about that. First, let's start with the basketball piece. Of, all right, well, I'm not going to have this superstar running me, you know, in Kevin Durant that I might have had otherwise. So, so that already makes it a little bit harder. We, we, we know he's probably more of a Robin than he is a Batman at this point. That's not a bad thing. He's still, you know, at the end of the day, he's still a superstar. He's just maybe not the one guy. He might be more of a one A or a two in that role. But then you look at it when you have the factor of the injuries. It's important to remember two things with Kyrie. One is he has already had some significant injury history at a pretty younger age than a lot of these guys. That was really poor grammar, but you get it. <laughs> um, and, then, and, then, uh, and then the other important thing is Kyrie has never gotten paid like some of these other guys have gotten paid. He he makes more money than you know 99% of the world ever will and more than enough to be happy with, but he's never landed that monster, monster contract because he signed his current extension under the old cap environment. So this is his first year to get paid. At his injury history, with the fact that this is his first opportunity to land that huge monster deal, with now he's looking at it as a guy who's a close friend of his in the league. His entire career may be changed and different from what it was going to be prior. Kyrie could look at it and say, yeah, maybe my best thing is to do this. And then it's always the NBA. If he's not happy a year from now, he just starts going on the record of, I don't want to be here, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. Which That's is what you know, he did already. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Art yeah. already did that in yeah. Cleveland, so it's not as though that's yeah, out of the realm of possibility. And, and and maybe just maybe had been hinting about it all along throughout his run in Boston as well. We'll 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 do more on Davis later, Durant as well. But with Kyrie, I guess to kind of wrap him up, can can you think of a a prominent Boston athlete? And and I realize you're you're more zeroed in on the Celtics, but a more prominent uh, another prominent Boston athlete that fans have just changed their opinions on so quickly i mean when ainge traded for him he was viewed as this savior alongside gordon hayward here we go with with another round of of uh, new newest big 3 or whatever you want to call it he's celebrated when he makes that commercial about wanting number 11 up in the rafters retiring a celtic playing there with his dad who started bu and blah 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 hell people went out in droves to support uncle drew because people were just so excited about this guy everybody downloaded that ridiculous song which is called ridiculous i don't think it's ridiculous i think it's a great song actually but now after all the drama during this regular season this last one that we just had the back and forth the bitching and moaning calling out teammates getting salty with the media basically saying he didn't care about a second round loss to the bucks when he was awful and effectively shot them right out of the playoffs he's a free agent still may return still may change his mind from going to the nets and coming back to boston depending on danny ainge and yet even now keith his jerseys and T-shirts are already half off at sporting goods stores. Everyone is ready to whisk him out of town. Celtics fans openly say, and maybe it's just a vocal minority on Twitter, but so many say they do not want him back. Capped out, be damned. We would rather lose this guy and not have cap space than bring back a top 10, top 15 player in the NBA who is just entering his prime. The turn in such a short time, it's incredible. It really is. The only two situations that I can even compare it to, and I don't think either one of them is really a great comp, is when the Patriots uh, traded for Chad Ochocinco. Man, hmm. everybody loved that move and was all excited, and we were all out on it by about, what, week five or six <laughs> right. of that season. Everybody was like, I'm done with this guy. He's never going to do anything. And then you had the few who liked the Kyrie folks who were held out hope all the way until he then did nothing in the Super Bowl and the Patriots ultimately lost. But, you know, that that is the – well, one there, and then with the Celtics, the only other one, which is a little bit of a different because it turned when he left, was when Ray Allen left and went to the Heat. Mm. <clears throat> I think what you had there was, but that was just more anger and hurt right. and frustration. Of we just battled these guys, and now you left and went and signed up to help help them, and that was in a lot of ways. I think the struggle to understand and let go of, all right, well, it's done. The, the Celtics dynasty is over. We're, we're we're finished with this run of of this team, and that, that was hard to let go of because it had become such a beloved group. And not just but the them, go, the him. You know, LeBron being on the other side. Absolutely, but with Kyrie, yeah, it, it is crazy. You know, I had you know people who loved him. I'll give you an example. As you know, I don't live in the area. I live in Orlando, despite covering the team. But my daughter loves Kyrie. He became her guy. She loved Isaiah Thomas complete, maybe even more than she loves me. 
Um, but she, <laughs> she became a massive Kyrie fan. She's got Kyrie shoes. That, that was her guy. She, you know, adopted him as her guy. She was so mad and frustrated that she's like, if he leaves, he leaves. I don't care anymore. I don't like him. I didn't like the way he played. He wasn't, she's nine. So yeah, let's take it with a grain of salt. But it was, you know, he, she, she didn't like them. She didn't feel like he was nice to his teammates and he didn't, didn't say things. And what ultimately stuck with me, which I think uh, how a lot of fans, you know, from nine to 90 feel is it just doesn't feel like he wants to be a Celtic very much. Right. And when that is a feeling you get, that's when it's very easy for people to say, I'm done. I'm out on this guy. I'm finished. Go somewhere else. I don't care. Good luck to you. Yeah, nobody has said it better than Kendrick Perkins, and he's been on this show and, and I know has, has really blown up nationally since with all these media spots as he seemingly tries to land a consistent gig, but totally just embarrassed on behalf of the Celtics organization as someone who truly bled green, as it were, uh, by Kyrie's behavior wearing that uniform and and on and on and on in so many examples. But all right, so operating, in, and I'm I'm still not even sold on it, but operating on the expectation that Irving is gone. Does that mean Terry Rozier's back? Yeah, that's a tough one. I I think that's going to depend on what market develops for Rozier. I think if there is a chance that a team comes and throws a massive offer his way, I'm not sold that's going to happen. Just kind of looking at the teams who have cap space and have needs, I think they they might look a different direction at the point guard spot. But if a team throws a big deal, I think Ainge will be comfortable to say, uh, we're, we're not going to go there. But if Kyrie goes, you can definitely see a world where if he comes back on a Marcus Smart type-ish deal, maybe a little more team-friendly, I think then you look at it and say, all right, we're going to bring you back because we're going to run this thing forward with you, and we're fine with that because that's, you know, we're, we're, we're good. We saw what you could be when you were a starter and you were more heavily involved in the game planning and all those kind of things. We feel pretty good about it. So it wouldn't shock me at all if he was back. Aaron Baines is back. He opted in. I think Al Horford is going to opt out and then re-sign for a few more years at a lower average annual value. There's just not really a part of me that envisions a situation where he's not a Celtic next year. But again, maybe that's me, and it's been my expectation all along. How about you? Yeah, I, I think I think he's back. I don't know if he opts in or if he opts out and takes a longer-term deal. It's about $30 million if he opts in. I could see Al Horford saying, I'm going to opt, opt out for something, let's say, 40 to 50 to maybe even $60 million over a four-year life of a contract because the reality is he could get $30 million this year. Then he may only get 20 to $30 million over the next four years or so because – he, he is aging, you know, he's still very productive. His game projects to age well, better than a lot of other guys in his situation. So I do think Al Horford will be back. I'm just not, I, I'm not getting a good sense one way or another, if it's going to be 30 million for one year and see where it goes, or if it's going to be opt out with the intention of signing a bigger number, which helps bring his overall uh, cap hit for this coming season down. But we'll, we'll see. I don't expect him to opt out and sign for anything approaching what he currently makes, if that's the case. Yeah, I'm with you on that. One of those things that obviously we need to keep an eye on. And when I normally say it, and I just don't have it off the top of my head, when is the decision that he needs to make ultimately? When's that deadline? June 18th. So coming right up for him. I'm pulling up a calendar here next Tuesday. So a couple of days ahead of the draft, we'll know one way or another without Horford. All right, well, looking at the league, you noted in a tweet, the NBA might look completely different next year. Great free agent class, superstar on the trade block, multiple teams with multiple first-round picks, two of the league's best players, Kevin Durant with the ruptured Achilles, Clay Thompson, the torn ACL, will hit free agency with those major injuries. What is your hottest take or takes that you're expecting to come true? Oh, geez, um... I, I do think it's going to look really different. I think the Warriors are going to re-up with KD and Clay, and they, they will bring them both back. Now, I did not think that was Kevin Durant uh, prior to this. I, I think you're going to see – I think the Philadelphia 76ers are going to lose one of their two guys, more likely to be Tobias Harris. I think they're just going to look at the, their kind of landscape and say we can't commit – two max deals there, but my probably hottest take of all would be despite winning the NBA championship, I think Kawhi Leonard leaves the Raptors and goes to the LA Clippers. Interesting. Now what draws him there outside of just all the speculation that's been there going back to when he was in San Antonio about the fact that he's going to want to go to LA? Yeah, similar to what we talked about with Kyrie, it's home. And I think Kawhi is a 
different kind of guy. I think he is somebody who uh, makes decisions independently of what is all swirling around him. I think he is very content and happy to say, this is what I want to do. I'm happy we won the championship. Congratulations. But I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to go where I want to be. And what, what I look at with a guy like Kawhi is – yeah, I always go back to this is a guy who willingly asked out of the NBA's preeminent winning machine in San Antonio. Hmm. Now, I know there were issues in the way he didn't like the way they handled his health and things like that. But when you ask out of there, you're you're just wired a little bit different than other people because that's a situation. He could have got past those things. They could have figured it out and made it work. But he didn't want to be there anymore. He wanted to be somewhere else. And, and I do think he's, he's the kind of guy who would willingly walk away from a championship team just because – you know, hey, this is where I want to be. I told you all, you know, years ago that this is where I wanted to be, and that's where I'm going. So what's that mean for the Raptors? I mean, obviously they were a competitive team before he came, but you had DeMar DeRozan, you had some other pieces. He shows up in the DeMar DeRozan trade, leads him to a championship. I know nobody would wish him ill will if he left. He took them to the promised land. Everyone say, hey, thank you so much. We'll see you later. Obviously they'd prefer he sticks around, but if he leaves, you know, you're not going to see jerseys being burned or anything like that. Everyone will appreciate what he did, but where are the Raptors without Kawhi Leonard? Because that, you know, as, as open as people view the East right now, that really would open things up. Yeah, it really would. It'd be a big, pretty big step back for them. They would be still completely capped out. They've got, you know, third, nearly $35 million on the books. Kyle Lowry, about 23 for Serge Ibaka. All expectations are Marc Gasol opts in. That's almost $26 million. Then 10 for Powell, 9 for Van Vliet. All of a sudden, you're already there. You're well past the cap. So they have no way to reasonably replace him. You could then potentially look at moving uh, pieces like OG Ananobi, maybe a first-round pick, maybe use Powell's salary to go get somebody else to you know do a, a replacement level for Kawhi. But you're not obviously going to get somebody at that level. So they definitely would take a step back. <clears throat> it brings them back into the middle of the pack more. But there is a part of me that says even with Kawhi, maybe they take that step back anyway. Kyle Lowry's not getting any younger. Neither is Marc Gasol. Neither is Serge Ibaka. And there were points in these playoffs where they didn't look so good. Milwaukee was you know, seconds away from being up 3-0 on them in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. And maybe we're talking about the Bucks as the NBA champions if, if they didn't kind of fumble that one away. And then the Raptors really rebounded and took control from there. So I do think, you know, Toronto, this is a this is a pretty massive offseason for them going forward. Now, again, you you said it there. He did what what he did. He delivered them the title. You're going to live off that for a while, so you can't be too upset if he goes. But, you know, it, this is something Masai Ujiri is going to have to work around and really figure out. That's if he stays, right? I mean, there were the reports that, who is it, the Wizards may offer him $10 million yeah. bucks a year to come run their franchise, whereas he – could theoretically stay if the Raptors were to give him an ownership stake or maybe just, you know, loyalty. He sticks around, could go either way. But there isn't even a guarantee in this moment that he's going to be there next year. No, yeah, I think if I was Masai, and I'm only speaking what I would do if I was in his shoes, is I would look at him and say, all right, maybe we take a step back, but then I've got a pretty clean cap sheet when Lowry expires, Ibaka, Gasol. I can build this around versus looking at the Wizards and saying, oh, man, that wall contract's still sitting there. That, that, that extension only starts. This is the thing people kind of, I think, are conveniently forgetting with John Wall. It starts this season. You are only just now starting that four-year Supermax contract mm. for John Wall, that Supermax extension. That, that's tough. That's hard to work around. And you don't want to have your first thing you do is, well, we can't do anything with that one, so i got to trade Bradley Bale. That's not a starting point I want to start from. And, and it's, he's making pretty good money in Toronto. $10 million would be a lot to pass up. But I think he might look at it and say, eh, happiness, success, that, that's worth more to me than you know, a few million extra bucks a year. We'll get right back to Keith. Want to take a quick break to tell you today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Just because the NBA season is now over doesn't mean you can't make money. BetOnline.ag always has fun props for you to play. You have an idea where Kevin Durant's going to play next year? Knicks and Warriors, both plus 150. Clippers, plus 300. I'm sure there's going to be another Kyrie prop to come up soon featuring, you know, not just the Nets, the Lakers, Celtics, Knicks, whomever else. There'll be something else. So always check what fun player props are there to choose from. And in addition to that, betonline.ag allows you to do custom player props during games. You pick your player, pick your stat, betonline.ag 
gives you a line for it. It's it's really, it's pretty cool. So go to clnsmedia.com slash Celticsbeat to get a 50% bonus when you sign up and use the promo code CLNS50. Don't be left on the sideline with all this excitement going on, all right? Plus, you can play in BetOnline's virtual casino, make some money there too. Plus, you always have futures bets that you can play There's baseball season, that's in full swing. NFL futures are already out right around the corner. I know NHL just wrapped up, but there'll be something there as well. There's a lot going on in the sporting world. There always is. Whatever you do, make sure you use betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Just go to clnsmedia.com slash Celticspeed. Let's get back to Keith. On Anthony Davis, this is going to be kind of a mouthful, but the Pelicans have reportedly given teams a framework for what they want in a trade. An all-star, a young player with all-star potential, and two first-round picks. Now, that might require a third team to facilitate the deal. That's been talked about a lot. From a Celtics perspective, Al Horford's an all-star. I don't see him being that guy. Not sure how the Pelicans feel about Gordon Hayward, and no one's quite sure what he's going to be next year. Granted, at that point, he'll really be two years removed from the injury and a year away from not playing so great this past year, and, you know, hence the third team. But then there's the Jason Tatum versus Jalen Brown debate. No one really cares about the picks around here anymore. Maybe the Memphis one, but it's not like the way we talked about all the Nets picks. The Lakers want Davis badly. He supposedly wants them or the Knicks. That's another report, although the Seas have been talking about working that trade. They, they've been in conversation reportedly with David Griffin in New Orleans. And let's not forget that Davis's agent, Rich Paul, who's trying to take franchises down one by one and destroy everybody's leverage all over the place, told Sports Illustrated that his client has no interest in staying in Boston, so if you want to trade for him, go ahead, but he's going to be a rental. I know, music to everybody's ears. So there's a lot there. Let's start with who do you believe is the favorite and how do you think this will play out? It's hard. I think the favorite is probably the Lakers because I think that they can do enough to make it happen in terms of pieces that they already have versus pieces that are on, you know, other teams that they could swing a three-way trade. They, they, their young guys do have value. It's not the inflated value that gets attached to anyone who plays for the Lakers, but but these guys are good, solid basketball players. They do have the number four pick in the draft, and they may even go all in and say, you know, hey, we'll give you, you know, two, three future first and swap, swap, right. That maybe this is their version of the next trade with the Celtics. And that's where that goes down that path. And if you're the Pelicans, you could look down and say, Oh geez, you know, LeBron's going into year 17. Maybe he walks away. Davis isn't always the picture of health and you go there. So, but with the Celtics, Danny Ainge probably has as much job security as anyone who runs a basketball operations group in the NBA. So he's not going to be afraid to go swing fences here, bring Davis in. And if he walks, then, you know, people will be mad because of, well, geez, we gave up Tatum, we gave up Brown, we, you know, whatever else we gave up. And, you know, and now Davis is leaving. But what if Davis comes in and Davis brings, you know, the, the 18th banner home like Kawhi did because it is wide open? Then people are going to kind of look and be, well, you know, maybe it was worth it. Now you have some folks who will say, well, geez, you know, if we just keep these kids and Tatum and Brown become, you know, the next Jordan and Pippen, we're, we're set up for, you know, a decade. That That's tough. We don't know that that's going to be what happens. So, you know, it, it's hard. But I do think Davis ultimately probably ends up with the Lakers. These things have a way. These guys always get to the team that they want. In the end, it's pretty rare when they don't go there directly. It's, you know, for every one time that happens, you have 100, you know, more times where they end up on the team exactly where they want to be. You know, you bring up Bain swinging for the fences. Uh, I've been of the mind. I've tweeted it. I've talked about it on the show. It's it's there for, for me to get all old takes exposed. But I don't think Ainge is going to go all in for Davis. And maybe you do disagree, but I, I just think if the rental possibility and, and the fact that all those pieces that you could lose after a year, as you noted, and, and Kyrie not being here, if, if that ends up being what happens, or, or Kyrie comes back on a one-plus-one, I've talked about that, and, and you've got both those guys effectively on a rental, and they both leave a year from now. Like, I mean, talk about being set back as a franchise. So I just I think that Ainge, while not afraid, I agree with that, and he's talked about not being afraid of risks and comfortable with risks and, and everything, and, and the franchise, and, and getting people to love it and, and re-sign, and yada, 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 I just think that would really set you back from where you are right now. So, you know, if the Seas, though, really do want to make this work, what are they willing to part with, do you think? I mean, what what is that max offer to, to trump the Lakers, the Knicks, the whoever else? And, and do you think that Boston would need an all-star from a third team to complete that trade since, like I said, I don't know if Horford or, or Hayward are those guys? 
Yeah, so the way I think about this is I think if you have a commitment from Kyrie to stay, even if it is on a one-plus-one, you do it and you chase that that banner and you say, hey, we we won after a title. You know, now we figure this out going down the line. So I do think that's where Angel go. If you don't have Kyrie, I'm with you. I think then he says, you know what, I'm not doing it. I'm walking away. I'm going to build around what we kind of saw uh, two years ago in the playoffs with, you know, the kids and Horford and figure this out along with a healthier Gordon Hayward and, you know, we move this forward. Now, as for what it would take, so let's work in a world where they are going to go make the deal. There's really only a couple paths to doing this. Either getting them to take Hayward or Horford, that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I don't think that's where the Pelicans want to go. Or you go and, you go and figure out a way to get them that third that, that all-star by bringing in the third team. Now, the Pelicans can say they want that. I used to say I wanted all these things for Christmas, and they were never all under the tree either. <laughs> so, you know, when you get there, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's right for them to ask, and they should, but that doesn't mean they're going to get it. Now, so that leaves me, so now you're doing talking a straight two-team deal. What I think for the Celtics is really two paths. Either you do Brown, Tatum, those are your two kind of primary pieces, with picks, and then you throw every other young player in there with that, and maybe you add in someone along the lines of a Daniel Tice or a Brad Wanamaker on a sign-in trade just to get the money right. Or you do one of these deals where you delay it by 30 days by signing one of your draft picks in this year's draft to, to make the money. That is one path. You could do it that way. The other one, though, if it's not going to be Hayward or Horford, it's going to involve Marcus Smart. And I honestly, truly believe, it's, as much as we all say, you know, Danny Angel trade his mother if it made the team better. There is something with Marcus Smart that I believe he is not going to do that unless he 100% knows Kyrie's staying and Davis is coming in. If this is a deal where Kyrie's not coming back, he's leaving, I don't think he's going to give up Marcus Smart. Now, some people might think that's crazy. But Marcus Smart means so much to this franchise, and I think they are now going to be a little more cognizant of we want guys who want to be Celtics, guys who want to be in Boston. And Marcus Smart has been nothing but clear about that his entirety of his career, of his love for the city, and then it's very clear the city's love for him back. So I think that makes it almost a sticking point where we can't get past that because we want to keep this guy here. I agree with you, and I feel as strongly about uh, Marcus Smart Hell as, as Danny Ainge might. Maybe not quite to that level, but I agree with you. I there's no, I get that there are no quote unquote untouchables, but I think that he's right there if guys like that do exist. And for a long time, we said that Jason Tatum was one of those guys, and then he it wouldn't be fair to say he leveled off in year two. I don't even believe he took a step back in year two, but he just didn't really grow. He didn't take that step forward from year one. I think that all those steps will still come. They just didn't come as quickly as people would have hoped for. Do you think that Ainge, because we know he'd have to give up one of them, I would hope not both if he's trading for Davis, but do you think that Ainge would prefer to give up Tatum or Brown? Because I've heard a lot of different people. I mentioned Perk before. Perk is a is very much a Brown guy. He'd give up Tatum 10 times out of 10 before he'd give up Jalen Brown for a variety of factors he outlined when he was on this show. Who would Ainge prefer to give up? Yeah, that's really tough. And in some ways, I don't think it matters because I think Tatum is the guy the Pelicans would prefer. Mm. I think he just has higher upside. He has that upside where you can see him being a true superstar, all-star, 25-point-per-game score. Jalen Brown maybe could get there, but I think Brown's game is a little more well-rounded. Um, it, it's less well, less holes in his game, but less superstar upside for Brown. So I think that's where it matters. But I, I, I think I think if I was aimed, I would rather prefer to give up Brown. I think that may be the way he's leading. Um, and, and I'm with you. I don't think Tatum – I hesitate to even call it a sophomore slump. Maybe that's what it was. But I think what we saw happen with the Celtics was both Brown and Tatum obviously struggled with Kyrie and Hayward being back and all the extra mouths to feed. I think Brown eventually figured it out. He figured out, all right, if I'm going to come off the bench, I'm coming into every game like I'm shot out of a cannon, and I am going to go hard, I'm going to run the floor, and that's going to be how I get my points. Where Tatum, I think, never really quite got there. He never figured it out. He wasn't comfortable being stand in the corner, be a spot-up shooter. He, he just never got as comfortable with his new role 
there as Brown did. Now, I think if you rebalance this roster a little, maybe Kyrie's not back and Tatum's given more of a primary role, all of a sudden, you know, we're, if you and I are talking around the you know first of next year, we might all be in love with Jason Tatum again and might, the entire league might be mm. right where they were when he was a rookie because it didn't really, nothing changes except for really his role. And, uh, and it's a lot easier for him to figure it out. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play that out. But I go back to, I think there's, there's just as high a likelihood that if Kyrie's not back, Angel Seven says, you know what? I can roll into the season with Horford, Tatum, Hayward, Brown, and Smart. Give me that. Off we go. We're going to figure this thing out, and then we'll figure it out in season if we need to add other pieces or whatever it looks like. Celtics missed out on Kawhi Leonard last year. I'm not going to ask you the question of, you know, should he have made that deal because it was justifiable then that he didn't, and the reasons that he didn't then are still justifiable now. I don't think it's really appropriate in hindsight to just look back and say, okay, he came back from his injury fine, he fit in perfectly in Toronto and won a title because, again, at the time it made sense. The reluctance made sense on the part of the Celtics and all the things they had going on, never mind the Kawhi factor. And for Toronto and taking the risk because they had really plateaued, they had hit their ceiling, it made sense. And now he might resign there, he might go as we talked about. But where that factors into the Celtics now in this Davis conversation is, could that motivate Ainge all the more so to deal for Davis? To just ignore the noise, ignore the questions, ignore the he's going to be gone in a year? Would he be worth the rental when you factor in what could have been with Kawhi Leonard and also the flip side of that? at least acknowledging that the whole overconfidence of convincing a star to stay like Kyrie Irving didn't, as we talk right now, seem to work out last time around. You know, you have those two sides of the coin. Does Ainge become more motivated to make this deal in the wake of what happened? Yeah, I think maybe a little bit. That all goes back to I think everything has kind of changed here where we're, we know the Warriors aren't going to be the Warriors next year, so there's not that air of inevitability. If you have a sense like Kawhi's leaving, the Raptors aren't the Raptors, so now you're looking at it as, right, well, the Bucks there, you know, Boston, we obviously know, despite the way the series turned out, I think they still feel like, you know, if we had just shot the ball better, we were there with that team. That's that's oversimplifying it quite, quite a bit, if that is the way they think, but Hey, I think you look at it. I don't think Ainge would feel any pressure because he didn't deal for Kawhi. I don't think he's that kind of guy who says, well, I didn't make that one. I better make this one. I think what becomes important is that he's going to uh, look at it for um, going forward um, and say, if this is the right move going forward, this is what I'm going to do. I've said for a little while now, Mark Murphy was on the show last week from the Herald. He echoed this. I just don't think the AD thing is going to happen. His opinion was, if you don't have Kyrie, it's it's definitely not going to happen. He doesn't, you know, subscribe to the what Sham Sharania put out there of Ainge is going to be regardless, still aggressive. But I do think, and Mark said this as well, I just I think Boston's going to target someone else. And don't ask me for a name. I don't have it. That's why you're here. I think there's this this mystery star that could come available. Is there a guy that you think we should be keeping our eye on that that could wind up in Boston if someone like an AD doesn't come through? Yeah, the guy, the guy everyone is kind of circling around is Bradley Beal because there's this increased sense that the Toronto, Toronto, the Washington Wizards need to do what they can to really tear that thing down to the studs and wait out Wall's contract. And really, as that comes out, now you've got young kids ready to step forward. Everybody's kind of expecting that one. There is then the annual, is it time for the trailblazers to break up Lillard and McCall and that, mm. that comes up every single year despite the fact that the trailblazers had never showed any interest and desire to do so they're not superstars but you've got uh, the Miami Heat with Goran Dragic is you know out there that they're very open for business to make make trades to move money but if you're talking a true star player guy who's going to be a massive difference maker a needle mover the only guy who really seems to be out there in talks and mentioned is Bradley Beal. Everybody else this summer is either a free agent, which Boston's just not in a position to go get any of them, or they are they're they're not really available. These teams are content. You know, I get a lot of with the Rockets, you know, well, could they trade Chris Paul or James Harden or you know, what about with the Grizzlies? What about Mike Conley? Well, you know, you're looking at those contracts are massive for Paul and Conley and they're they're older guards. They're they're you know both good players, still both you know, maybe all-star level, but they're not superstar level players that are going to make a massive difference for, they're not going to lift you, 
you know, where you probably need to be lifted if you're the Celtics at this point. I think they'd be just as content to roll forward with Marcus Smart and maybe signing Terry Rozier because you're going to have to gut the roster just to match salary on guys like that. Last break to tell you today's show is brought to you by Quip. Looking for something for that new graduate? Well, get them a one-size-fits-all gift, all right, that could make a big difference in his or her life, like a new oral health routine. It's not as silly as it sounds. I'm telling you, Quip is the way to go. First off, Quip uses gentle sonic vibrations. It's perfect for your sensitive gums. Also has a built-in timer that reminds you to switch sides so you make sure you're getting your mouth cleaned evenly. And Quip makes brushing simpler with automatic delivery of new brush heads every three months for just $5. Comes in kid sizes as well. If your kids want to make sure that everything's all evenly timed and it's a pain getting your kids to brush and brush well, help them develop grown-up routines without the childish gimmicks. So what are you waiting for? Improve your dental hygiene with Quip today. It's backed by over 25,000 dental professionals. Just go to getquip.com slash Celtics. Get your first refill pack for free when you buy your first toothbrush. Over 1 million happy and healthy mouths already do. Join them. That's getquip.com slash Celtics. Back to the show. Do you think Durant will have serious suitors, given the fact that he's going to miss next year, may not be the same player even after that, that that we just saw before? I know you said you expect him to go back to Golden State for the year anyway to collect the money and, and recover. But are the Knicks or, or others that desperate to make a splash that they would just pay a guy max money to sit out for a period of time? Yeah, I think the Knicks are. I think they're the only ones who would do it. It's you know, kind of look at it and well, can it get any worse than it's already been? And yeah. at least in this way, you have the hope of you're selling it down the line. Of you know, hey, we got one more year. Watch these kids develop. We're probably going to be pretty bad another year with a good draft pick. But then we got Kevin Durant coming, you know, here next year. I think they're the only team that's really kind of uniquely positioned to be able to do that. I've heard some people mention the Nets because. They, they now have Torian Prince, they've got Joe Harris, they've got Harris Levert, they've got these, you know, good, good younger players who can kind of fill in and fill that role. So maybe they could, could you know, still be a pretty good team and wait on it and add Durant. But I think if, if you're Durant there, you're looking at it of, you know, well, geez, you know, it, it, when it sounded good of I'm going to the Knicks and Kyrie Irving's going to join me or Kemba Walker's going to join me or whoever it was was going to join me there, that sounds really good. But now if it's, uh, you're going there by yourself and you got to wait it out. I think that's where it all starts to lean toward. I'm just going to re-up with Golden State and I'll figure it out after, you know, later down the line. I mentioned much earlier, NBA draft is Thursday. Boston has 14, 20, and 22. And those picks in the first round, nobody expects them to use all three, or at least I don't think most people do. They certainly don't want three rookies on next year's team. So if they do use them all, then you're looking at guys that wind up in Maine or draft and stash, that type of thing. But what do you see happening? Yeah, well, one is if they don't move any of these picks, you're going to see a minimum of at least one draft and stash guy. It's, you, you can't have three rookies when you already have guys like Tatum, Brown, and Robert Williams all still on their rookie deals, and you're having to figure out how to pay all those guys. It just gets really messy beyond just this upcoming season. You can't, you know, teams with that many young players don't generally win very many games. So I think, so you're looking at roster spots, still obviously a little bit of a concern in Boston as well. So, but I think what's more likely is you see one of two things. If there's a player, let's say around 12 or 13 sitting there that Ainge's like, all right, this is my guy. I want to move up. We've seen him be aggressive in the draft before. They, they could you know, package together a couple of players. Maybe you throw 14 and 22 to move up to 12. So that way you get the guy you really want, something along those lines. Or what I could really easily see happening is them take uh, 20 or 22 and trade it down the line for a future first or, you know, a first and a couple of seconds, something like that, that makes a little more sense as far as how you're balancing out the roster. But I, I would be stunned if they make all three of those draft picks and be even more stunned if they make all three of those picks and all three of those guys are in training camp come the fall. I've received a lot of Twitter questions, Keith, about the future of this franchise. And admittedly, we've touched on many of the issues that uh, people have brought up. But I will mix in some others here. Let's let's do a handful anyway, and then I'll let you go. From Leon sure. Smith, I don't think there's any relation. I, <laughs> any any <laughs> Leons in the family? Uh, no, the middle name of a couple people, including my dad. But right, well, he's using a Twitter handle. I don't think he even knows how to use Twitter, <laughs> so I don't think it's 
<laughs> All right. Well, this uh, this one brings up a name that I don't think we've even discussed at this point. Let's say the Celtics don't get Clint Capella or Anthony Davis. Who are some other names they could go after? Is there anyone that you would add that the that you know beyond who we've already discussed? Yeah, there's there's a little bit of potential. I'm assuming that they're asking here about uh, bigs, maybe, but but I don't I don't know because they mentioned the two bigs. I know that's who they've been linked to uh, to some level. I would really focus there on Bradley Beal. I think there's that that you know would be the next guy that they'd be looking at, and then you're looking at much smaller moves, moves around the margins that aren't gonna you know maybe grab grab headlines, but might as you look at it down the line, you're like, wow, that was a really good move. That's a good get for Danny Ainge. But I think they're feeling pretty good about their depth up front, because especially if they have any sense that Al Horford's coming back, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe they went and somehow stole a guy like T.J. Warren from the Phoenix Suns who could really in a lot of ways replace the Marcus Morris minutes that they're going to lose if he leaves as a free agent. So that, that could be, could be there. We'll, we'll see if that just, there's nothing jumping out at me. That would be a massive, you know, uh, earth shaking move. Jordan wants to know what would a Clint Capella deal look like? Yeah, that's hard because, because you assume the Rockets, the biggest thing that they need is debt around there. So I would think, you know, it's, it's hard as it would be. They wouldn't mind having Aaron Baines. Um, you know, Baines opted in, though. I was directly told by someone who, who was pretty close to that situation that he opted in under the assumption that he would not be traded under any circumstances. So so if you're, if you're going to go get Capella, your your first thing is you got to match salary on it to make it work. Not, not as easy as you might think. He's about, about 15, almost 16 million. Uh, next even 15.9 so that that's you you gotta figure that out you're not going to deal marcus smart that would make a lot of sense so do you look to do something like capella and eric gordon for maybe al horford if you know that's a way you wanted to go sure because i don't i don't really know why you would want capella horford and baines all together on the team so i and that's my single biggest thing is I have trouble seeing what deal adds the Rockets either the star that they need or enough enough players in depth that also makes sense for Boston. I've never seen that connection and match that really makes sense to me. Isn't Horford, by the way, you know, you mentioned Baines, isn't Horford probably doing the same thing? I mean, I, I don't know if, if he would opt in and say, you can't trade me or don't trade me, but I, I would definitely think if he were re-signing and signing for three or four more years, it would be with the understanding that at least in year one, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. He's not going to, uh, he's not going to, he isn't going to opt in. He's not going to do either one of those. This is the easiest way to put it. He's not going to opt in. They, these guys get it, right? They could be traded by the trade deadline or maybe shortly after the holidays, but they're not going to opt in to be traded unless it's part of the whole deal. Like we saw Chris Paul do with the Lakers to go right. to the Rockets where it's an opt-in and trade. But we would all know that would be a situation that would have been heavily reported on. But these guys aren't going to opt in then just to turn around and be shocked by a trade. And that is something that the Celtics, they have to be really cautious of the optics around that because there is still some guys around the league who feel like they did Isaiah Thomas dirty mm-hmm. where they, I don't think they did they you know they did what they had to do and you know everybody is kind of you know collectively rectified with that but but it, yeah, as you look at it you're you're seeing people still it gets brought up constantly and I know players who kind of have it in mind too so kind of opting in and then just trading the guy without without that right away that that would be a really bad look for himself. I know sign and trades don't really happen much in the NBA at, at this stage of the game, and you've tweeted about that and written about it, I think, as well. But uh, Daniel wants to know, can you paint us a picture of a possible sign and trade where Kyrie goes to, well, signs with Boston, then's flipped to Brooklyn? Would we get a massive trade exception? Could we use that trade exception to deal for a player like Mike Conley? What would Brooklyn get hard-capped uh, due to the sign and trade? What you know? How does all of that play out if it were to happen? Yeah, so they could get a, a pretty monster trade exception. The only way that happens is if you're trading them and you're bringing no money back in, then you could do that. You could could get a pretty huge one. Technically, you could get one big enough that Mike Conley could fit into it or pretty darn close. The, the thing is, though, what, what happens in signing trades is you have this whole uh, idea of what's called base year compensation. So unless you're signing and trading a guy directly into a team's cap space, they, they don't count for the same going out as they do coming back. It's, it's really complicated. That's why we rarely see them anymore. And you also, you never see a sign and trade for a sign and trade. It's just not a thing teams do because it makes it complicated. You also have the fact that you become hard cap. You take a player back via sign and trade. That's why what everybody likes to suggest, and I 
get it probably 10 times a day. What about Kyrie for D'Angelo Russell? Double sign and trade. The Celtics would become hard capped, and at that point, they would really struggle to fill out the rest of the roster. They're not, they're not that, they're already over the luxury tax and only about 5 million under it as it stands, right? Under the hard cap as it stands, they, they wouldn't be able to, to do, you know, fill out the rest of the roster and become a huge mess. So that's not, not going to happen for, for those reasons. You also have the fact of, why in the world would the Boston Celtics want to do the Brooklyn Nets any sort of favors by, by doing this? And why would the Nets want to do the Celtics any sort of favors by letting them build this massive trade exception? The Nets would just sign Kyrie Elway with cap space and move on from there. They're not going to do anything to help a division rival get better down the line when they know they're going to have to beat that team on the floor in the coming months anyway. Yeah, at least from the Celtics' perspective, to answer that question from you, I think Danny Ainge has shown, I mean, hell, he helped facilitate deals to effectively get LeBron and Kevin Love both to Boston, uh, to Cleveland and, and build, you know, that team that went to the finals four straight years. So Ainge has shown that he will do whatever it is to help himself in the trade, even if he's helping somebody else in the process. So you lose Kyrie for nothing, but you get a massive trade exception. You can deal for Conley or whomever else. Then, I don't know, maybe there would be motivation for Ainge. But as far as why would the Nets help the Celtics, I totally get that part of it. We have... Uh, the only a- thing I would... Yeah. Sorry, sorry, the only thing I will we'll say with that is remember, though, when Ainge did that, the Celtics were expecting to be really bad right. at least the next few True. years. They were bottoming everything out. So That's a good point. They're, they're not where they're hanging around this point as they are right now. Yeah, trying to be a contender. That's absolutely true. A uh, couple of tweets that I liked from someone who just goes by 17 and counting, so maybe they're getting ready to change it to Banner 18. First one is, assuming that Kyrie goes and Danny swings for AD, what would the C's cap space look like next year? Would they be able to offer a max contract next season to pair with AD moving forward if he's stuck around? Yeah, that's interesting. It's hard because the answer is maybe. Uh, A lot depends on what happens with Al Horford in that situation. Is he back? Well, what is he signed for? Did Gordon Hayward go out in the trade? Let's assume Horford and Hayward are back. Let's assume Horford's back around, let's just call it $15 million just to make it easy. Mm-hmm. Hayward's back around about $34 million. Metrics, I don't think he's going to opt out of $34 million. That would be kind of borderline insane right. at this point, given where he's at in his career. So now you're at, you know, call, call that $50 million. Then you've got ADs, big cap holds, because you're not going to remove, remove that until you until you know he's staying or going. You're in range, but you're going to have to move on from a lot of other stuff. But you would have moved on from a lot of the other stuff to get AD in the first place. Right. So you could be looking at a situation where you've got Hayward, Horford, and Davis, and not a whole heck of a lot else, and you're moving forward with whatever cap space that, that gives you around those those three. Well, clearly this 17-and-counting person likes the cap and likes numbers because this other tweet is, <laughs> If we trade any of this year's draft picks, does the designated money assigned to the pick count when matching salaries? So, for example, pick number 14 is worth about $2.1 million. Would that count when matching salaries in a trade? Yeah, so let's first pick 14, 3.4 million, almost 3.5. All right. Um, but here's the challenge it doesn't unless you sign the player first. So, let's go back. We just talked a little bit about Celtics helping the Cavs build up their team. If you remember, when they got Kevin Love, the Minnesota Timberwolves, or excuse me, the Cleveland Cavaliers signed Andrew Wiggins before they made the Love trade. And then we all had to wait 30 days. We all knew exactly what was happening, and we were all playing the stupid games of, you know, look up the roster, and, oh, Kevin Love's still a Timberwolf, hmm. and Wiggins is still a Cavalier, because that's how they used They needed to use Wiggins' salary slot towards matching. But until a player signs a draft pick towards salary matching, has a value of zero. There is no towards salary matching. Obviously, it has value in, mm-hmm. in toward, terms of a trade piece. But towards salary matching, value is zero. But if you sign the player, then you have to wait 30 days and match. And that that is a path for the Celtics to get Anthony Davis. They could you know pile a couple of those picks together, and, you know, get up to about six million more or so in matching to to get there. And that that could be a way we see that go, which would be really confusing because then you'd see. Boston draft guys who are never going to play for the Celtics, but where the Celtics had at the draft, but then it's an additional 30 days on top of it before that happens. And, you know, and then Anthony Davis finally gets introduced to the Celtics sometime in August, which is, you know, just would be a completely wild scenario. From Hans, um, and we've talked about a lot of these names, right? Terry Rozier, Mike Conley, Bradley Beal, on and on. Ricky Rubio's been out there. What is plan B for the Celtics if Kyrie walks and AD is traded elsewhere? 
I, I think first is see if you can get Rozier back on, on a reasonable contract. See if you can bring him back, pair him with Marcus Smart, and there's your two-point guard, then off you go. If not, then I do think there is something to the Rubio stuff. Whenever you start hearing things so early, that to me says there's something there. Plus, my, my kind of joking shtick there is he's a guard who can't shoot, so of course Danny Ainge loves him because he loves loves everybody who was the opposite <laughs> of what he was as a player. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I, I don't get it. Um, you know, But I, I think there's also a sense of maybe we just run this thing for Marcus Smart as the primary point guard. Let him really be the, be the lead ball handler, and you can do a lot of things. In a lot of ways, he is their best pick-and-roll operator outside of Gordon Hayward on the team. You know, he does really well. He, he, as much as he's improved as a shooter, and we like to talk about the improved shooting last year, his single biggest improvement since, since coming in the NBA has been as a playmaker for others. He is not at the point where he's actually pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a sense of it might be time to really just run with Marcus as a starting point guard and see, see what you have, especially if this is going to be a little bit of a transition bridge type year. Find out because then next year, you still have him around, and then you know, all right, well, he really is more of an off-the-ball guy, a secondary creator. We need to go get somebody else to do the lead ball handling. Yeah, I don't think people really remember, you know, going back to college, going back to year one, not not much of a passer, not not a very good one. Then obviously, no. you know, the, the playmaking skills have in recent years really taken off. So you're right. You're absolutely right about that. Last one here, and uh, we'll call it a show at that point, at least your portion of it, from Eli. Best options for point guard next season, assuming both Kyrie and Rozier are gone. So we already basically touched on that. Do you think that that Rubio is the guy that that they target at that point? Do you think it it's still you know swing big for someone like a Conley or a Beal, or is is there just a another name among potential free agents that uh, that could be available that you do like? Yeah, I, I do think that there is a good chance that um, you could see Rubio again. There's something there. It's not going to be Kemba Walker. Put that out of your mind. That's not happening. They do not have the cap space to go sign him. Even if everybody leaves, they're not going to. No, that's not going to be be the case. Um, I'll, men- I'll mention some Russell. names for you, by the way, as well. There's, yeah. you know, Pat Beverly is is going to be a. a- potential mid-level guy there Jeremy Lin who obviously just won a championship and it would be something of a homecoming for him uh Devin Harris Trey Burke like these are some of the names that that could be available that might make some sense yeah I the the guy the guy I like uh, because I obviously mentioned him already is Rubio I think Ainge would love to put Beverly and Smart together in the defensive backcourt good lord that would be you know incredible to watch (laughs) there you you could uh even look at look Guys who are a little bit further down on the pecking order, not going to get people super excited, but are good, solid players like Darren Collison, Corey Joseph. You, those two guys could fit in as solid combos. You could even see a world where they go back and say, hey, Rajon Rondo, you want to come back on the cheap mm. and you know, make it work here and kind of bookend your career uh, there and then you know, kind of go that direction. I think what you would see if both of those guys leave, you sign somebody like a Rubio or a Collison. Is there your thing? And then if you feel like you need to, you address it in season as the season goes along and pursue whatever options open up. And then, of course, the number one option that I think everybody would love is bring bring back Isaiah. Bring him back on the cheap and say, hey, you're going to lead our second unit. You're going to be the guy there and do your thing off the bench and go from there. And I think a lot of fans would really love that if that's the move the Celtics made. Well, you can bet nobody got rid of those jerseys. Those would make a, uh, a nope. quick comeback, that's for sure. Keith Smith. From Yahoo Sports, from Real GM, Celtics blog, other outlets, and the guy who's going to be blowing up your Twitter feeds almost as much as Woj and Shams and and all those guys. Going to be making crazy noise over the next uh, little while here as we get closer to free agency and around the draft and everything else. So, Keith, thanks so much for carving out some time for us, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again a little bit later on this summer. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Always love talking to Keith and a ton of great stuff. There's just there's so much. There's so much happening. And I do want to put out there also that, you know, this this show is being recorded on a Friday. It drops on Sunday. I recognize that. And I'm only telling you that in this particular instance because we've been getting NBA news, especially surrounding Kyrie and AD, every single day, it seems, for the last three, four, five days. So I apologize if some bombshell does drop. Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening that is not touched on in this show. But still, I I like to think that most of what we did hit on over the last hour still very relevant and useful to you. So I hope you enjoyed it. This show brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash Celticsbeat. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. 
Show is also brought to you by Quip. Go to getquip.com slash Celtics. Get your first refill pack for free when you buy your first electric toothbrush. Thanks again to Keith, my producer, Evan Valenti. Thanks to Nick, Larry, John, everybody else at CLNS Media. Most of all, you. We welcome your feedback. You can get me on Twitter, as you always do, at Adam M. Kaufman. I love all the back and forth. I love the debates. I don't even mind when you call me bad names. It's still part of the uh, the entertainment of it all. Let's just... Let's keep engaging. It's a good time. And if you want more shows, let us know. You know, leave us ratings, reviews on iTunes. We always appreciate them and enjoy going back to read them as well. You make a big difference. Remember that. And subscribe on iTunes. Just search Celtics or Celtics Beat. You'll find us new releases every single Sunday throughout the year. Gino, get us out of here. Hey, sports fans. I'm Coach Nick of the B-Ball Breakdown podcast on the CLNS Media Network. I break down the NBA from a coach's perspective and have some of the best basketball minds join me weekly to discuss the latest NBA news and what's truly going on on the court. Subscribe to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast wherever you get your podcasts or find us on clnsmedia.com. It's a great conversation. You in?